0: Welcome to the Boulder Bassoon Quartet Podcast. This is episode six, return of the...
1: Return of the bassoon guys.
0: Oh, wow. Yikes. All
1: right. Do it again and do it better.
0: Welcome to the Boulder Bassoon Quartet (laughs) Podcast. This is episode six. (laughs) so our cd from the opposite shore has been out uh just a little bit and it's been really weird to see it published on itunes and available on spotify and all these things and it's been really fun to watch it uh exist kent you're looking at your computer what are the uh (laughs) up-to-date stats here how are we doing are we millionaires are we going platinum well brian it says
2: here what I've done is I've sorted these songs on iTunes by popularity. And, <laughs> and it put I, us I in negative numbers. You, right. <laughs> I can tell you that none of the tracks are particularly popular. <laughs> 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 but that'll change soon. They're gaining but momentum. ITunes, iTunes does sort the tracks in a different order if you do sort by popularity. And the top track at this point is Paul Hansen's Rakuya which is the third movement of his bassoon quartet number one. And if you want me to go down the list a little bit.
0: Just give us the top five. Top five. Top five. Oh, this is like a real DJ thing. Here are the top five Boulder bassoon quartet singles.
2: (laughs) So the top five. Number one, Rakuya. Number two, also from the same quartet, the first movement, Hinode. The third top track is the last movement from Rika Narimoto's Sound of New York. That is the From the Opposite Shore Chorale. (laughs) One is also from the same work, it's number four on the streets. Mm -hmm. And rounding out the top five tracks is the third movement from the same piece, uh, Subway Announcements.
0: But will they remain? Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe next year when they release the iPhone 7 or 6S or whatever, they'll include us as a preloaded download like you <laughs> two.
2: And then everybody will get mad at us. <laughs> yeah. That'll no,
0: crazy. it'll work this time. Like, I really hated Bono, but the Boulder Bassoon Quartet.
1: <laughs> this is awesome. Right. <laughs> we were talking in the last podcast episode last week about... Um, about some of our favorite moments. It's interesting to me to look with, admittedly it's at this early stage of the game at what seems to be resonating with people. What are the most popular tracks? And I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit surprised that Sound of New York is up there, three Mm -hmm. tracks.
0: Yeah, and that's that's been the case. Uh, I mean, we played it at Dazzle and we played it at our own world premiere and the, the reception, the reaction to all these pieces has always been a little bit unexpected. Especially yeah. the laughter at Dazzle. Yeah, that was great. I hope <laughs> yeah, that happens that again awesome. sometime. I hope it happens again too. Yeah, to see the Sound of New York at the top of the list. Rakuya, that I would expect. Mm-hmm. That's Heavy metal bassoon. Yeah. Who could say no to that?
3: Well, it does make you also wonder like, how many people just sort of buy tracks purely by looking at the title. Because if I were just looking at the title, Hearing a bassoon quartet play something called Subway Announcements would be pretty intriguing. (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, so,
1: the cat is out of the bag, the phenomenon has begun, and we'll see how it, how it proceeds over the next several weeks, months, happy Halloween.
0: Yeah, what kind of, what kind of Halloween plans do you guys all have? I know three of us, right, are going to see Dracula. That's
1: on the... I mean, technically,
0: that's on the 1st. That's on the 1st of November, and I am really looking forward to it. Uh, Cody keeps going, going on about how cool the music is, and everybody's been telling her how hard it is, how hard it is to put together. Uh, she's been listening to it on a, on a recording, and I've gone out of my way to not hear anything, because I want to just go in there and, like... This will be the first time I've actually seen a ballet. I've been playing with the ballet on and off since 2007 but I've never actually seen a ballet. So it'll be really neat to go in there and to catch this new one that everybody's gushing over. Uh, Who wrote it? I don't remember. All I can tell you is that there's supposed to be a lot of blood. <laughs> Should be fun. <laughs> Good times. What other performances do you guys have coming up? The Boulder Chamber Workers just got something in the works, right? With
2: Boulder Chamber's got a really cool concert coming up on the 9th. this us see, is it 7th? Seventh and eighth, whatever that weekend is in November, the Friday and Saturday, we are doing a Woodwind mini chamber concert which includes the Stravinsky octet, Ooh. which is an awesome piece, and the Mozart serenade number twelve, which is a really cool yeah. that's the C minor one. Mm-hmm. So lots of good lots of tricky music to work on between now.
1: But that Stravinsky octet is one of my favorite things in the whole universe. Yeah. Pretty jealous that, that you're going to be doing that. Hmm.
2: So when is that concert? On Friday, it's going to be at the Broomfield Auditorium, and that's in Broomfield. Uh, on November the eighth, that's the Saturday. That'll be at First United Methodist Church, and that's right downtown Boulder. So that's actually reversed on how we usually do it. We usually do Boulder then Broomfield, so Broomfield first this time in Boulder.
0: And what's the third piece on that program? Is something. In...
2: The third piece is a cello concerto by Goulda.
0: That's like a rock jazz cello concerto or something? I don't know anything about it, actually. Well, it'll be an interesting program, folks. Mm -hmm. Be sure to show up for the Boulder Chamber Orchestra with a Mozart serenade, Stravinsky's amazing octet for winds, and some mysterious cello piece. So around the same uh, time, the week later, you can go see my wife play at the Opera Colorado production of, I think, Madame Butterfly. And then a week after that, you can come see us perform on the 21st at the Longmonts. Senior Center. That's a concert at 2.30 in the afternoon. And that evening, you can head up to CSU and see Paul Hansen rock out. And geez louise, after that, it's already Thanksgiving. And then it's nothing but Nutcracker. Nutcracker
1: for you for a while. Oh, (laughs) Nelly.
0: Anything else going on in the
1: bassoon community? If we have any middle school or high school age listeners out there, um, MSU Denver is going to have its bassoon celebration day on uh, November the 1st. Uh, We'll be running from about 11.30 is when registration starts and we'll be finished by 6. What's involved in that? Well, uh, we're going to have a workshop working on the uh, Colorado Allstate band audition materials. Um, We're going to do a little bit of sight reading and some chamber music for like, music for several bassoons. Like what? What are you going to play? It depends on the feedback, honestly. I don't have a solid list of who's going to attend right now. And so uh, if, if we have people that can play the high register parts, uh, I'd like for us to read um, Bassango by Matthew Lussier. Mm-hmm. Um, if we have people that can handle the parts, I'd really like to have us read So-So uh, from Kent's That's So Sweet. Bassango is one of your favorites. Basengo is one of my favorites. Um, Why is that? I don't know. Uh, (laughs) the The overall emotional affect, I suppose. I just think it's, I think it's sexy and cool, and yeah, I just like it. It, It's not a a particularly technical thing. It's not a particularly um, intellectual thing. I just, it makes me feel good to hear it, and particularly it makes me feel good to play it. So I like
0: it. Let's take a listen to a live recording of the Boulder Bassoon Quartet performing Bassango in Concert. This is again written by Matthew Lucier, a uh, Canadian composer who works out of Toronto and I think he wrote this for the Caliban Bassoon Quartet. And there are other versions of the piece that exist for solo bassoonists with orchestra, I think, and also I believe I heard a recording of uh, solo bassoon with harpsichord. It's a fun okay. piece, take a listen. Thank you. fun things about playing bassango is that at different times um, two people come in with the melody and they have this pickup where you can just kind of leave the whole group hanging and it becomes after you play it a million times especially if you're playing it on something like Pearl Street where it's not so formal a performance it becomes a bit of a game as to how long will the silence last and when exactly do we all come back in let's take a quick look at what happened in this particular concert
2: <laughs> now there are two other pieces that we play that has that same humorous possibility. Trivia time. Which two are oh, they? Go. Oh
3: boy. Um, what? Yeah, I'm trying to think of another piece. Oh, um, last tango.
2: Last tango is one of them. Yeah. Uh, okay. And we uh, should we point out in, entrance and polka. That's what I was gonna guess. So right before the very last note. We've left our audience hanging for yeah, uh, way <laughs> too long. That's a lot of fun.
0: The pause that we just listened to, listening to the recording, it sounds you know fine. It tastes, but in the moment, that's like an enormous canyon yeah. of silence. <laughs> I was coaching a high school woodwind quintet this summer, and they were playing. I, th- I think a tune from the. Ancient Hungarian Dances by Fakash And there's a silence in there. And I was trying to encourage them to do more and more silence. And it was, at first it was like pulling teeth, but then we kind of got into the, the game of it and, you know, mm-hmm. having the fun toying with the audience. <laughs> <laughs> and they nailed it. And in the performance, uh, it was great. And then they they went on to a second performance with a much larger audience. And they even went even further uh, with that silence to the point where even I was like a little uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so, what else are you going to be doing? You're going to Metro State Bassoon Day, you're going to be playing maybe Basango.
1: We'll play some um, quartets or other ensemble music to be determined according to who registers for the thing. Um, I'll do, you know, a clinic on whatever seems appropriate, perhaps breathing. Um, perhaps uh, phrasing musicianship. I'll definitely do uh, a bit of time on uh, practice strategies, um, sort of long term preparation for auditions. Uh, and as I said, we'll do some work on this year's Colorado All State Band and Orchestra audition music. Um, and then I'll give a short mini recital. That'll, that'll pretty much be the deal. What are you going to play? Uh, I'm going to play the Alexandra Tonsman Sonatine. I'm going to play a couple of the Francisco Mignone waltzes, and I'm going to play a couple of um, arrangements by Bill Douglas, Lyrical Pieces. He's got a publication out for bassoon and piano.
0: Is it called Lyrical Pieces?
1: Yeah, it's called Eight Easy Lyrical Pieces which is kind of a misnomer because they're like high Ds and high E flats all over the place. (laughs) And they're they're nice. They're they're nice. And crowd favorites. So if we have any um, high school students listening to our podcast and you're interested in in attending MSU Denver's Bassoon Celebration Day. uh, Don't. You can, you can contact me. I'm Michael Christoph. Um, my email is mchris57 at msudenver.edu.
0: There's another bassoonapalooza type thing coming up at CSU. Yeah. Paul Hansen, right? Uh, with Paul Hansen. And now, a word from our sponsors. This episode of the Boulder Bassoon Quartet podcast is brought to you by Forrest's Music. Just about everything you could possibly need to play a double reed instrument is available at forestsmusic.com, including from The Opposite Shore, the first album by the Boulder Bassoon Quartet. forestsmusic.com. So now that we've finished From the Opposite Shore, and we've recorded it and we've premiered the pieces and the CD exists. Do you guys ever want to do that all again?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Another album? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I do. I think it would be interesting to do it in in a different context. You know, like it would be interesting, you know, to have just a different set of music, you know, a different type of music or something like that. Like, um, I don't know, either more classical or the other direction, you know, more. more of like jazzy stuff or even covers would be interesting just because it'd be just because it'd be new and totally different
0: i i was kind of surprised to find how much i absolutely loved commissioning of new work just for us like the day that the paul hansen piece arrived in email oh boy that was yeah. a fun day and then working with paul and working with rika and getting the music and working on it and inventing it and You know, piecing it together, not knowing how it's all supposed to go, and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was, it was intense, and it was great. The whole project, working out the logistics and the recording and all that kind of stuff, was kind of traumatizing. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, I would love to do it all again, but not for a while. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
3: There's
2: definitely lessons learned from this time around too.
3: Well, there's a lot of moving parts. That's for sure. And especially when you don't have a place to record and stuff like that. I mean, that makes it just so much more difficult. Maybe we should start like a running list of
0: like dream situations for our next recording. Like who would you want to commission? Yeah. John Williams. I gotta wonder how impossible that is. Like he just recently um, wrote a piece for the Boston Symphony and it just kind of seemed to pop up there as a surprise. I think he wrote it just for the brass ensemble. It was a fanfare for the new uh, conductor. Huh. So like, how can you just sneak in there and say, hey,
4: you should write a bassoon quartet.
0: <laughs> I have very few regrets in life, uh-huh. but one is that like 10 years ago, when I was at Ithaca, I, went, I drove to Washington, D.C., and John Williams conducted the National Symphony. And beforehand he did a question and answer session with leonard slatkin and yeah, okay. and whoever wanted to go it's like a pre-concert lecture thing and i went and i think i was there with three friends and they, he opened it up to questions and people asked you know oh what's your favorite instrument uh what what's your favorite key to write in and stuff that's not very interesting yeah and i had my school backpack with me which included some staff paper and i had You know, pens and pencils, and me and my three friends. We each had our wallets, and I was thinking of taking the mic, and collecting all the cash that we had on hand, and standing up with the empty piece of music paper, and saying, (laughs) "Mr. Williams, I'm a huge fan. I would love to commission you. We we have two hundred and nine dollars, or whatever (laughs) it would have been. Uh, I I want to commission you right here and now for two hundred nine dollars worth of music, and you know." Being put on the spot in front of people and fans and everything, he'd have to do something. He'd have to say, oh, okay, and at least, like, scribble out the five notes from Close Encounters and put his signature on that and take my money. Um, (laughs) Because I figured, you know, what, 200 bucks for him, that would be literally a half note of music. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I totally chickened out. I didn't do it. I very much wish I had, because I think... He's, he's doing a lot of concerts still, but I don't think he's doing like question and answer sessions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> so anyway, I vote for John Williams.
3: Yeah, John well, Williams would be cool.
0: Another Mozart piece certainly would be interesting. The pieces of his that I've heard um, are all actually pretty different from the bassoon quartet that he wrote in that they're longer and smoother I think the, the bassoon quartet is designed to kind of bring to mind early jazz and the blues yeah. and then early doo-wop rock and roll kind of stuff but most of the music of his that I've heard including the bassoon concerto that he wrote is smoother and has a little yeah. bit of almost film noir soundtrack quality it's to it it's
2: very slowly evolving it's very slowly evolving in style I notice.
0: The, you know. the concerto that he wrote.
2: How long ago
0: was that? I want to say two thousand three. Oh, okay. So that's that's ancient news now. Yeah. yeah. Old timer. <laughs> and Jarek Bischoff, that's the other one. That would be it. Yeah. him. Down, I would
1: really, really would like awesome. to hear what he comes up with.
3: Because he he writes some creative, interesting stuff. I I would be super interested to hear what comes out of his head when he just digs in and really thinks about the bassoon and bassoon quartet
0: why don't you explain who Jared bischoff is so Jarek
3: bischoff is this fellow we played uh when we played with amanda palmer who um many of you probably know from her kickstarter campaign so she was also playing with um bischoff who who arranged some of her um some of her music and the accompaniment from her music for for our group um for the concert at the Gothic Theater. And, and he, did a, he did a really good job um, arranging for, for a bassoon quartet on super short notice. So, so it'd be really interesting to hear what he came, came up with.
0: So yeah, Jarek Bischoff uh, was the bass player in Amanda Palmer's band for this tour. And he's also his own uh, composer and musician and singer and, and does pretty much everything. And the last I looked, he has his own Kickstarter project going on where he, uh, what's it called? A cistern?
2: Cistern. He found this... Ambient chamber music? Yeah, this ridiculous
0: gargantuan underground cistern. And he got in there. And you can see all this in his video in his Kickstarter project. But he went in there with his equipment and he had to, uh, in order to use all the electronic stuff, he had to rig it up to the car battery because there's no uh, no electricity down there. And it's the kind of thing where you clap your hands together and the sound reverberates for what was it, 45 seconds or something? It's just like this endless reverberation. So, playing around with the acoustic quality of it and all the music that you can create as a result of it has been his next project. And he composed a bunch of stuff and wrote it out for orchestra. And they performed it and recorded it in a very boomy acoustic. Um, I think it was a church in new york they couldn't actually record in the cistern because it would have been health problems for everybody so anyway he's a very innovative fella very creative music and uh, we've played with him twice now and both times have been pretty fun uh i think he i think i read that he also wrote a piece for a children's choir in brooklyn or something like that um so doing uh Collaborating with him for a new piece would be pretty interesting. All right, so we've got John Williams, Jarek Bischoff, and Marion Muzetic. It's a very eclectic list. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Which is right up our alley. Right.
3: That's, that <laughs> sounds mean. about right. Yeah, we're not exactly concept album type people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the,
0: the diversity and the eclectic nature of it is a concept. I mean, from the opposite, yeah, short, right. that's, you know those composers don't really you wouldn't necessarily think of those two composers together
1: no
0: um but uh, it totally works as mm-hmm. a concept anybody else right off the top of your head
1: i'd like to see what dan kellogg would come up with
0: yeah um david ludwig he was um i met him because he was the composer in residence at rocky ridge and i remember when we were all at uh Arizona for the IDRS conference, there was one time where we walked in kind of late to, I think, the big gala concert, and we walked into an oboe and string quartet. And all four of us were like, wow, this is a really, really nice piece. And it was written by David Mm Luckwood. And he has also uh, since written for Danny Matsukawa, principal bassoonist of the Philadelphia Orchestra. He wrote a, a concerto for him and I haven't had the pleasure of hearing it yet. Hopefully it'll make its rounds pretty soon, because I would love to hear it. He would be a good one. So he would be more in the vein of like normal (laughs) classical music. Right. Mm -hmm. Which would be complemented wonderfully with all the other composers that we just mentioned. (laughs) Well, we have no shortage of wonderful ideas for the future. So if you work with an artistic organization or if you're looking to enhance whatever you do with some artistry, uh, give us a shout out, we're always interested in new and wonderful and innovative and weird and exciting projects. Uh, You can reach us in many different ways, all the contact info is of course available at boulderbassoons.com you can reach us at boulderbassoons at gmail.com. And now to wrap everything up, here's a little snippet of something off of our CD, From the Opposite Shore.